Alright, so hi there everyone. This is Abel Mesarosh. I'm back with you um, with a podcast edition of the Bundesliga Bulletin. Um, we were on a hiatus because of the winter break, but that's uh, all well and done. So I thought I would just uh, you know take a few minutes to round up match day 18 and then take a look at some of the more significant matches in a little bit more detail, starting with, uh, I think, probably the game of the season. Augsburg uh, 3, Dortmund 5. Uh, obviously, um, everybody knows this is the uh, Erling Braut Holland game or match, which, you know, came in and scored the hat-trick in 23 minutes. But in, in order for him to score a hat-trick or Dortmund, I should have said, needed him to score a hat-trick to get anything from this game because the way they uh, started out and, and credit to Augsburg, who um, surprised me um, just with their high press, and although in hindsight I should should not have been surprised because every team has been high pressing Dortmund um, probably since the Bayern match since since they realized that you know they don't really have a striker who can make deep runs and you know because Royce necessarily isn't that fast without the ball it's not really his strength uh, Sancho likes to dribble but not usually in a, run in a straight line. Uh, Nazar sometimes does that, but uh, he can be kind of knocked off the ball. So, and obviously not good or, or Paco. So this is what teams have been doing, and it also helps because of the shaky buildup of uh, Dortmund's 3-4-3. In this case, uh, Piszczek and Akanji, who is in some, some sort of a funk. And uh, he was sometimes hapless against the, the pressing, and uh, credit to Martin Schmidt there, because... It's not usually what his team does. I mean, I'm going to release a team analysis of Augsburg in the coming days. I just need to fine tune it. But um, high pressing isn't exactly what they're what they're known for. They're more of a sort of counter attacking team. Although um, they have they have you know really capable wingers there with Vargas and Richter, who I thought played their best games this this season. And I think everybody the secret on uh, Niederlechner has been out to just sort of his movement and uh, transition game. Uh, and, you know, Philipp Max needs really no introduction. And coupling that with Dortmund's uh, difficulties in transition defense, I mean, Hakimi didn't have a great game, just uh, tracking back. Brandt, I thought, struggled uh, for the first 45-50 minutes in terms of just uh, closing down the space uh, when they were in gegen pressing and um, Dortmund just seemed to never even be in the position to to make uh, those kind of tackles and and you know uh, of the back three I guess Akanji is the only one who probably has athleticism because as we found out Bishek doesn't anymore and Hummels hasn't for a while so um, really missed uh, Zagadou in there and kind of not sure why they didn't go with uh, Leonardo Balerdi but. Uh, yeah, they, they uh, yeah, obviously managed to turn the game around and, it's, you know, they did, Favre did switch to 4-2-3-1 with Haaland, uh, although the same spaces for him to run into were there in the first half, as uh, I think Lars Polman astutely pointed out on Twitter. So in that sense, it wasn't that surprising that Dortmund would have goals in this and, and you know, Augsburg likes to, well, against Dortmund, they seem to like to play these uh, open games. But uh, I think even in Leipzig, like they were, they were uh, winning for a long time. But Leipzig had a bunch of chances and then came back. So certainly can score against them, uh, especially because you know uh, Lichsteiner is is a guy who isn't really you know 
he still has athleticism, but you know he could be beaten. Uh, you know, Philip Max is especially now that he has to play left back because Iago is at the uh, Brazilian Olympic team. So so previously they would play uh, Max as more of a left winger, and, and Iago actually is, can really track back and and cover for a lot of him. And obviously you're not really stopping anybody with uh, Daniel Bayer, who I love, but he's he's old and uh, Rani Kadira. Um, so I, I thought I would have put in Eduard Leuven a little bit earlier. Uh, for one of them, and then you know Yedvai, um, you know has a lot of has a lot of skills, but perhaps uh, defending and and isn't the the greatest with him. It's more about the ball playing, and I thought they didn't do a good job of. Uh, and Martin Schmidt actually conceded this in the press conference of, of of like sitting back once they were once they were up and and not. I mean, even like a lot of the Dortmund goals, you could just fall back and and try to get in a foot race with Holland instead of kind of employing a high line at midfield which which you know you you're gonna exploit if somebody has pace behind you and and can can make runs and and there was very little pressure on Hummels and i think even hakimi and on those passes and i mean uh, a lot of those a lot of those goals were just breakaways and and um kubek really uh, didn't have much of a chance and uh, i mean he, he did save a couple of really big ones and and, and royce certainly tried his best to uh to not score any of his chances, any of his four chances, and Hazard missed a couple in the first half. So, so it wasn't for lack of uh, trying there. And uh, what ended up happening is, is as as you, as you often get with these eight goal games, is, is, is you know you 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 score after a lot of these mistakes and and, and lots of individual and collective uh, errors on behalf of both teams, and you get a fascinating spectacle that. Uh, you know, I, I think the way I framed it is is um, Haaland is covering, is covered up a lot of those mistakes, like a, like a concealer <laughs> or a makeup uh, artist that, uh, you know, have been around for Dortmund. So the defensive transition stuff, the uh, the, the, the older, slower center backs, um, the difficulties in, in, in counter-pressing um, and, and so on. I mean, uh, Birki, you know, didn't couldn't really do too much about any of those goals but you know his save percentage is at 47 percent this this season which is which is not great um so it'll be interesting because against Kellen um who, who are now suddenly a juggernaut under Marcus Gistel uh you know they had all kinds of difficulties in in the first half in the first uh, match in, uh, in the first half of the season uh, turning it around with, with Brandt after 60 minutes uh, and and now that team is is is, is young it's, it's pressing really well and they've got a better identity with with Cordoba and our scoring goals and um, um uh, we'll, we'll see if if Dortmund can can do something on on Friday night because um you know this was this was certainly fun but perhaps a little more fun than uh, like Lucien Favre so so uh um, shocked that uh, like he forgot that uh, Brown's goal was was not the one-one equalizer, but it came after two-zero. So at the press conference, he, he was a little bit out of it and still under the spell of the events. And I think he was certainly uh, not alone. So we will uh, we will have to have to see how uh, Dortmund uh, progress uh, progress in in that one. But uh, I think the second most important uh, match of the. Uh, of the match day was uh, Schalke um, really dominating Gladbach. I thought it was super surprising because although Gladbach were uh, without Elvedi and Jami Ben Sebaini, um, you know, 
Schalke were missing Arit and and, and uh, basically uh, long time absentees in in uh, Salih Sané and Stambouli and then Nibel was still carrying his suspension, so uh, you thought okay well they they need to play Gorich and you don't know how that's going to go out, uh, but it turned out it went really well and I thought the key to the the game was uh, Schalke's defense, which 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 really begins with their pressing. So the they've, they've conceded nine open play goals in now uh, eighteen matches, and really um, suffocated Gladbach's build up. And I thought Rose's plan, the absence of Elvedi, who is clearly their best passer and and really the only their only guy who can consistently uh, pass out of the back. I mean, Ginter has some of those qualities sometimes, but Elvedi's uh, central. Line breaking passes is, is really what makes Gladbach go, and that allows them or go there. The build up, I think, I don't think has been great this season. I think others have pointed this out. Uh, I think uh, it's 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 probably the part of the game that uh, you know because he uses Zomer as well, but but part of the game that Rosa and Maric perhaps focused less on, and and they just want to get the ball to their front three or front four in this game and see what they can do in transition. I think. It's, that's certainly worked out quite well for them, so it's hard to blame them. So I thought in this game, like they're, they were just going to start with that four-four-two uh, diamond and then play basically like four attackers in in, in Tudam and Bolo, Plea and, and Herman, and Bolo was in the diamond and and just uh, try to win the ball um, in in Schalke's half and, and and certainly it's a reasonable strategy because Schalke's build up has not been not been all that great and you know they just have the very clear sort of rules and principles about, you know, always dropping Mascaray back and, and, and keeping the full back low so so you can basically like cover you know five players plus the keeper with with, with three, sometimes four. But um Schalke's, you know, Schalke's build-up was actually okay, and and uh, they did it. Did end up uh, using more players, and Wagner did a good job of utilizing Schupf, who covered so much distance. He had the most uh, distance covered, thirteen point seven kilometers, and like one hundred and eighteen intensive runs, uh, and dropping back Serdar, and, and sometimes isolating Serdar on on the left wing against uh, Liner, who likes to get forward. He had, he had a couple of those. Um, and then just uh, Gregoric uh, is, is another guy who uh, gives them a new dimension because because they can they can uh, play out of the back to him and uh, like um, I think like one of their one of their ways out of the back is is is, is this so Schubert uh, and basically the the front four of Gladbach is is controlling the the back sort of six with the keeper and. Um, inevitably, like when you when you play it to Kabak, who's the the right center back, you have to so that gets that sort of triggers the pressing by play out, and then um, that they they try to go for sort of a, a straight long ball um, into the channel uh, that uh, you'll put Kalijuri, who's uh, sort of in the four four two diamond. He's, he's sort of the right um, side of the diamond, and he's in the half space and when you when you already press to ram up and um, you you basically have to use a left back in this case Oscar Vent who doesn't cover as much ground and is obviously not the fastest anymore 
to to get on Kalijuri and then basically you you get a flick on and, and try to isolate uh, Grigoric or Raman against Jenske and, and that usually is, is a good scenario so, so you end up kind of bypassing uh, Gal- Galpar's pressing and, and I think that worked out uh, really well a bunch of times and um, the transition game of, of um, Schalke was, was very good as well and, and you saw Jan Zomer had to make like two world-class saves in, in the first few minutes and Grigoric almost looked like he was going to be the, the villain uh, early on for missing those big chances and and uh, but he but he ended up you know getting the goal and the assist and and, and even the, the, both of the goals were, were really nice they they um, they came uh, I think the first one was was when uh, Liner who really gets caught up to pitch a ton um, was was up so high and couldn't get back and and then they just uh, Schalke to their credit um, had like this, this really rehearsed uh, counter that they just. Uh, Kept passing uh, down the left wing, and eventually Grigoric found uh, Sedar, who, who is really good at finishing uh, any, anywhere around the box. And really, uh, you could see that he even looked at where his shot is going to go. And um, but overall, I think you know, I think Schalke, Schalke were so much clearly the better team, and Grigoric is going to give them a new dimension. I thought uh, when they when they got him from from Augsburg, uh, just because he's he's a left footer, he can score. Um, Sometimes he takes a lot of shots, I mean, it's, and he's really good in the air uh, when he's up for it. And he can play a lot of positions. You can basically stick him up as a striker. You can have him as a second striker. He can credibly play like a, like a probably a, a number 10. Uh, he's played as a number 8 in, in certain systems in, in, in Augsburg as well. So he's going to give you like what Mark Uth couldn't. And um, I think the only sad part is that Schalke don't have a... Uh, option to buy so that'll be uh, interesting to to see where they go from that and, and Gladbach really um, kind of continued the, the the poor end to the recruitment that they, that they had and um, now now I think they're a little bit on the outside looking in in terms of uh, although they're only you know point behind Bayern now but uh, just sort of style and, 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 for, and form wise and um, We'll see if 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 it's if it's going to be a, perhaps a, a, hopefully not a Dieter Hacking uh, type of uh, spring season that they that they're used to. But I think um, we'll see it much more clearly in the next couple of games because uh, they play Mainz, uh, which is always a big derby, and Mainz always gives them a lot of trouble. And then they they travel to to Leipzig, and and um, you know to the extent that they have championship hopes uh, that, that those might completely be gone by like February. First, uh, when they when they play uh, when they play Leipzig and then, and then suddenly cancel. So it's not it's not easy for for them. And although Avedi is supposed to be back because he just had a sort of a back back problem that that wasn't too bad. So we will uh, we will see uh, what the future brings for uh, Marco Rose's Gladbach. But for Schalke, I think uh, we need to praise David David Wagner and and his uh, his team for for really going all out and really making the most of the, this season. And then the uh, next match that I, that I wanted to look at is uh, Bayern's sort of lackluster 4-0 win, if, if that's possible, in Berlin. Obviously, a uh, big hype because of Jürgen Klinsmann, who um, has, uh, you know, some not so great memories of, of Bayern, but a little bit of a freebie for, for Hertha, for them to kind of play with the house money. And um, I thought, you know, based on that, they could have tried something a little bit more ambitious. I mean, basically, Klinsmann's idea was to play in sort of variations on 4-1-4-1 and 
really defend the flanks with uh, like double the flanks with Luca Bacchio and Di Rosan basically acting as sort of second fullbacks at, at times and what how what Klinsmann also did is he used Grujic and, uh, and Darida as, as sort of his pressers in, in the middle and, and let uh, Askasibar um, occasionally set up and um, I think you know sometimes he would he would bring in the, the wingers as well and I think Bayern really struggled to to play around that because they didn't didn't have uh, Kimmich who was who was suspended and and their winger core was uh, Perisic and and Thomas Müller who doesn't really like to play um, right wing and then Coutinho was supposed to be sort of the free roaming number ten while Goretzka was 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 the partner of of Thiago who perhaps had his best game uh, certainly this season and not just because of the goal but uh, you know the five dribbles the five tackles the, the classic hundred passes it's like the the, the, the Thiago triple double as as it were um, but basically the, the first half of this game was uh, completely unwatchable and uh, mostly because of Heta who, who really just committed everybody to stay back and basically there they had like four uh, completed passes into the final third until the 60th minute and Davy Selka was just running on to these passes and, and to not to his credit like he couldn't really do anything with them like his his finishes uh, looked uh, really really poor and and uh, he doesn't look like he's in form at all though Kinsman supposedly has been working with him and you know the, the game game plan obviously is not always just Klinsmann it's, it's, it's more of an Alexander Nuri creation and He's rarely known for exciting uh, football. And um, yeah, I mean, really, that was kind of the, the story of this is that um, Bayern struggled to to uh, break this up. And, and mostly because like their their possession game just wasn't always quick enough. Um, they, they Their circulation, uh, the, the spaces between uh, Thiago and, and the other um, number eight tens like Goretzka and, and Coutinho weren't really optimal. It was, it was uh, you know, the rotations were not quick enough. It was a little, a little reminiscent of, of Niko Kovac uh, at, at, at times. Uh, and, and sometimes the, the, the counter-pressing wasn't all that great and, and Hertha could have actually... Uh, if they if they had sort of better organized attacks and if they were maybe a little bit braver could have uh, perhaps done something uh, I mean even even before sort of the the, the, the Müller goal that, that inevitable Thomas Müller goal who really turned the game around I thought just just being more active Thomas Müller and, and Perisic and, and maybe that was uh, the wingers of Hertha getting getting tired like uh, Luca Bacchio and uh, Diederosan who I don't think like Either of them was like, I'm coming to Berlin so I can just play like second full back and uh, track back and <laughs> just defend. And, and then it seemed like after that, they Hertha just uh, either gave up and they switched to a 4-4-2 and brought on Marius Wolf and put up put Luke Bacchio up top. And then the game was just open and, and sort of uh, chaotic. And, you know, they they only really got that one chance uh, when the game was gone and put a... Uh, Pascal Köpke had to get stoned by uh, Manuel Neuer and then uh, Bayern just kind of <coughs> piled it on uh, for uh, to make it to make it 4-0 but uh, yeah it wasn't super impressive uh, but still um, you know when you consider that Bayern had uh, had to, like basically their their first meaningful sub was uh, Michael Cousins uh, 
because Gnabry, you know, he came on, but but he he had been injured, and Lewandowski spent the whole winter break uh, training alone. Coman is out, and you know, Kimmich was suspended, and they're they're expecting Lucas Hernandez back uh, fairly soon. He seemed to be doing full training, and obviously Sule and Javi Martinez are still out, so. Uh, it's still a tiny, tiny squad, and they are, you know, thinking of reinforcements. Uh, whether that's Leroy Zane, who's uh, changed agents, or uh, somebody else. Uh, you know, there's been a long number of right backs that they were. I think that's the position that Hansi Flick has identified as as, as sort of the most in needs because you can play Kimmich at the six now. Um, although, you know, you wonder what happens to to Thiago because it's it's going to be hard to leave him out after after this game. Um, so, so we, we, we will have to, have to see, see what uh, Materialize has done, but, uh, you know, uh, that will be a super important game. And they're, they're playing Schalke next, uh, in a really, really highly anticipated match by, by, by most of us. Uh, that will be the, uh, the Topspiel on, on, on Saturday. And then, you know, Hertha, ultimately, this, this really doesn't do that much for them, this, this loss, because they, they didn't really, I mean, only Werder was the only team that... Uh, that uh, and Cologne that that gained ground on them, uh, but uh, they're they're still going to be battling relegation, and we'll see what happens to them. So um, moving right along into the fourth match that I wanted to discuss in a little bit more detail, this is I think well, that most people didn't particularly see because it was at three uh, thirty. So Hoffenheim um, hosted Frankfurt, and you know Hoffenheim with some new faces with when Munas de Boer. Uh, who, who came over uh, after a really miserable spell at Sevilla and he made actually a full transfer for 11 or 12 million and uh, that, that, that was interesting for me this game because Frankfurt, the, their whole winter break was spent by Adi Hütter saying that uh, okay, they're going to go back to sort of four in the back and, and, and try to play maybe not as uh, attacking football and, and to try to play more defensively sound and that was actually fairly true in this game. They, they, their, their, their game plan was to just play sort of a, a 4-2-3-1 with, 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 with uh, like uh, defensively a 4-4-2 with Gacinovic, who was the number 10. He would push up to Bastost, and then you had Kostic and Chandler on the wings. Um, and Indica and Toure were the outside uh, backs, the fullbacks. And... Um, what I thought was interesting in this game was, was just the number of sort of tactical changes that really didn't amount to uh, too much by Hoffenheim, who, who you know, Hoffenheim's uh, basic shape was, was what um, Schroeder likes to do, which is, uh, you know, he, he, he often, I mean, he's, he's known for sort of fiddling around with uh, different players in different positions, and he didn't have Robert Schko, who is the sort of inverted right winger that he likes to play at left back. So he had to play uh, Stafilidis uh, at left back. And we, I think I'm not the biggest fan of him, but uh, he actually scored a really nice goal. So we, uh, it's hard to, hard to complain uh, about him, although he did get uh, really poorly uh, beaten by that uh, back post uh, Cristiano Ronaldo-esque header of uh, Timmy Chandler, which, which ended up being the, the, um, <clears throat> the, the game winner. And so basically, Schroeder started out in this 4-3-3, where he played um, instead of Kader Shabak, who's the you know who's been sort of losing his place as a right back. He played Push, who's more of a center back, and then he had sort of a, a 4-3-3 with Geiger, uh, Grilich, and, and Rudi, and then he played Baumgartner, Kramaric, and, and Bebu, and so basically like sort of two wingers and, and attacking mid and a winger, and then sort of a 
lone striker Kramaric who who would uh, uh, drop back, and then he brought on three strikers, which is which is what he usually uh, does. And so so just to kind of you know put this game in, in, in more of a perspective, they they um, basically Hoffenheim had most of the possession. Uh, Frankfurt defended in four four one one four four two, depending on Gacinovic's possession, and uh, you know they they had uh, you know like. Uh, basically, until the the first goal, which was uh, Bastos kind of uh, off, a, off a counter, and which is which is what Hoffenheim is struggled to uh, struggle to defend with. Um, you know, the, they 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 try to basically move the ball with Grilich, who uh, you know I've always, I've always liked, and his his dribbling out of pressure and his his ability to circulate the ball is good. But uh, overall, I like I just feel like what a lot of people have been saying about Schroeder is that. It's very, it's very, it's very different from from Nagelsmann. His football is a lot less direct. It's it's much more sort of circular, keeping, keeping possession, trying to go around the outsides, and and it doesn't always lead to. Uh, it's tactically sometimes interesting, but it's it sometimes I get the chance that he's just kind of trying stuff and and, and changing uh, formations just to change formations. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's I'm sure that's not doing justice to him, but but that that that. What it seems to look like um, on the pitch, um, and and basically, um, you know, I, I thought that uh, he tried like in attack attacking wise. It often looked like a, a two three five uh, in build up and, and, and where we'd have the, the two center backs and then sometimes Grilich would, would drop back, uh, especially when they were playing with with, with two center backs between. The, the fullbacks and he would uh, he would uh, you know he would basically attract Kachinovic so they would have a three v two and try to try to play out from the back but it didn't always work because Eintracht defended the the flanks with the with basically the sort of two two lines of four and they tried Kramaric they tried to get him some isolations uh, early on it did not work like I think against Abraham it worked once early in the first half against Ture it didn't. They had the header for uh, uh, Hübner, for uh, Benjamin Hübner, who was obviously uh, playing against his dad, who's the sporting director for Frankfurt, which is a difficult game for both of them. And that was that was kind of a, a bigger, biggerish chance. Um, but um, Frankfurt, I thought, was effective uh, on the counters. Um, basically, the, the way they scored was was Hübner was the one who, in the build-up, kind of you know, which is what Schroeder asks of him is is to. Uh, step up and and try to get involved in in, in midfield and, and and progress the ball and he ended up losing it and then they just had uh, one one deep pass and Kachinovic has been making a lot of those runs uh, even even earlier on and uh, he ended up going down the the right wing and and getting it to Bastos and, and really the Bastos uh, major quality is getting in front of the defender and hammering it home and. Really did a did a good job of that, and uh, Eintracht were not uh, particularly interested in having the ball. They, they did try a couple times with Abraham, uh, who mostly just dribbled uh, out of bounds, and then Hinteregger was playing a lot of long chip balls, uh, particularly cross court uh, on the right side, and uh, they did they, they get uh, a bunch of chances after the after the after the first first goal uh, with with Kostic uh, hitting the woodwork uh, first in the first half, but. Uh, then Gacinovic had had another pretty big miss um, in there, and and they they looked like they could have easily been up to two or three goals in the, just in the first half, and then uh, Frankfurt uh, ended up uh, come uh, uh, Hoffenheim actually ended up uh, 
taking some some good chances uh, after the first half an hour through uh, Geiger and then Hübner had another header that dropped uh, saved and then Stafilidis had a had a shot and that was sort of the end of the the first half in that one and then um, then they made sort of a, a change in the uh, in the second second half where Frankfurt was much more conservative uh, I mean not that they weren't before but they basically just uh, sat back deeper and, and uh, for uh, uh, Schroeder he brought in Dabur and took out Peru which which led to kind of uh, a formation that was more of a like a like a three five two or three one four two at, at at times and basically Sebastian Rudi uh, was the one who ended up playing right wing back and and he he put uh, Posh as the sort of third central defender alongside Pubner and Northwight and then he had uh, Grilich was the one and then Rudi was the was the wing back and then Stefanidis was the other wing back and then he played two up top with uh, with uh, Dabur and, and Kramaric and and then that actually. You know, they, they scored the, the goal by Stafridis, which is the, sort of the trademark uh, rebound, long shot, which, which he scored a bunch of times. He's really good at that. And they actually, um, I thought, were, were going along pretty well for um, those next 15 minutes, to three three shots and 71% possession. Eintracht uh, didn't really get much and really took their first good chance on the, on the counter where um, Timmy Chandler came on the back post for a header, which is... Which is what I think Peter uh, has been sort of asking for, uh, and I think that's where Dani da Costa's miserable season was the most noticeable. Because last season, I mean, Eintracht were known for these quick transition attacks where the back post uh, wing back would just get there and and score. This time, you know, although they were playing a different system, the, the principle was sort of still there, and Chandler uh, scored his first goal, and uh, they were up two 0 and then. Um, once they went up, uh, once they went up two one, uh, they they then you know just Hoffenheim ended up chasing the game more, and that didn't look particularly great. Uh, they they only uh, despite having like sixty five percent possession after the the goal, they were only able to create uh, two shots, uh, while uh, Eintracht uh, while Eintracht uh, just kept kept uh, with a bunch of chances really i think the the biggest hoffenheim chance was uh, was when Gibril uh, so had to clear the ball off the goal line around the 70th minute uh, i think it was after a set piece and then Schroeder just kept putting on uh, wingers and attackers like uh, adamian um, as well and locadia uh, to, to, uh, towards the end and um, it was it was not really effective. I mean, it it, it, it seemed like uh, you just you know just what you just what you do when you're chasing a game, but it didn't it didn't really uh, work out super well. And Eintracht were really dangerous on the counter, and, and Kostic, who uh, was voted man of the match by kicker, had another uh, post that he hit. Uh, Dost had a header. Uh, da Costa had a one 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 on one that he just wasted. And really, I thought you know if if you if, if Eintracht were just a little bit better in the end, they could have uh, come away uh, with with the, with the victory and and ultimately with a victory that was higher than this. So ultimately, they did come away with the three points, which which was vital for for them. And Hoffenheim continued to be this really weird team that I that I think I I, I still don't have a good handle on because they just uh, seem to play amazing against the big teams and then and a team in 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 a game that they they should have you know against Eintracht was not in great form. Uh, it just seemed to not work, and it seemed like you know, like the biggest problem, I guess, is like Schroeder kind of wants to play this football with, with dominant possession, but 
it doesn't seem to work with this team and then it seemed to function much better when they're like uh, the underdog in the match and then they have to play against like the Bayern or, or, or Dortmund and they get the and they, and they can play quicker because a lot of times when they end up like with a lot of possession it just tends to be very slow and 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 uh, just kind of circular in and and uh, aimless at, at times and um, I, I don't I don't know if it works too too well but uh, let's move on to the fifth game that uh, we're going to cover, which is Leipzig uh, coming back against Union. And I'm going to try to go a little bit quicker on, on these because um, this match, uh, again, a little bit like the Bayern game, wasn't particularly like super interesting for the first half, mostly because uh, Union deserves a lot of credit for making it not that interesting. Um, they, 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 I think, continue to be like the surprisingly surprise package of, of the Bundesliga just because how how difficult they are to beat and, and how um, well organized they are and um, leading to, to early chances for them and really um, for the first like it was a little bit like the helper matches that like um, like to pad all the possession and, and no, no chances and then Union were just com- were just playing this sort of 3-4-2-1 with, with, with some good high pressing with Anderson and Buter and um, ended up taking advantage of the sort of Tyler Adams's one mistake. I thought Adams had a fantastic game otherwise, but neither he or Upamecano or Klosterman looked great uh, early on, and then Anderson just sort of ran it down and nutmegged Klosterman and then laid it on a plate to Bilter, who... Um, so then um, it c- c- continued until really the first half, and, you know, um, Nagelsmann, I thought, you know, they did play better sort of the, the, the last 25 minutes of the first half. They had six shots uh, to, to zero and, and really limited uh, Union to to not much. But, um, you know, uh, Werner was in classic Werner form. He played a horrible first half and that must have gotten like some sort of mental coaching. And I think that that would be something to, to investigate because after, like we saw what happened to Yusuf Polson um, last year and, and how he was basically a 5-6 goal scorer before and suddenly exploded and it seems to be happening with Werner because he, he keeps having these games like against Dortmund where he has an awful first half and then comes out and scores two or three goals just like nothing happened and um, but the first goal I think it, like the first two goals even Leipzig scored like neither of them were like what you would call textbook or anything like just a long ball by Upamecano up to Patrick Schick and deflection and Werner just smashed it uh, probably the, the goal of the week uh, there and then the corner that fell to Zabitzer and there's not much like Union can do about those it's really really sort of unlucky and then uh, after that you know sure they they, they did look uh, much more much more confident and, and seemed like the the game was well uh, well within their uh, control you, you would think but then like they actually <laughs> actually um, that narrative is probably completely false by, by any sort of numerical metric because Union ended up, uh, you know, taking 10 shots, uh, and although just two of them were on target. And Gulacci did have to make a couple of really nice saves, and, and to his credit, he, he did. And, uh, you know, Union did, did uh, go did change the formation to 4-4-2 in the end and put on Potter and Uja, and then they made their usual substitutions, and including a return to, to Yunus Mali, who uh, was quietly made a last-minute move to... Uh, Union on loan and uh, yeah, enjoyed enjoyed him because he's someone who uh, I've liked for a long time, but uh, we're not sure uh, what he is uh, at uh, this moment. 
but yeah so that was sort of the, the i mean it's, it's for union i guess like it's another one where where they you know they've now lost like to leipzig twice and score line isn't isn't that great but uh, perhaps like both of those games were a little bit closer uh than than what you than what you ended up getting out of it and you know i think like i think in this one they, they probably ended up winning in the xg or something and um you know still still nothing to to worry about uh, i would say for them they're more than a more than a fine team uh, overall and i like to you know really continue to just get these kind of wins like it's a kind of inverse hoffenheim season than Leidenheim had because before that it was just like underperforming xg and just not getting the results and here at leipzig it seems to be like even even when they're not playing well they could just turn it on and bang in three goals and and then uh, i mean really a little bit similar to to bayern in dortmund in that sense that uh, they can just turn on the goals and um couple transfer interesting stories with Werner. there's been there's been now some liverpool rumors reignited again so uh you know good friend sam mcguire can can write some 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 pieces for football whispers or, or maybe uh some other outlets uh but uh yeah I, there's a release clause apparently at 50 60 million and um obviously Werner renewed until 2023 uh this summer so uh we will see i i think i i don't i mean i think it's impossible that he leaves amidst the title run uh, in the summer uh possibly but uh you know, uh, I think I think I I still would say next next summer maybe it would be would be uh, where he where he moves on, and then Nupe Meccano who uh, gave an interview and said like nobody's contacted him or his agency so everybody can just uh, relax on on that front, and so we're gonna move on to the uh, last couple games that I will just briefly touch on, which is Köln against Wolfsburg, and really I. I, I I haven't uh, completely finished uh, this this game, so I don't I don't want to talk too much about it. But I, I just make two observations uh, on on the two teams, which is you know one of them is, is obviously Kahn uh, turning into a, a juggernaut under under uh, Marcus Gisdol, as as, as as I'm sure all of us have predicted. And um, really, two teams have uh, flawless records over the last four games and. One of them is uh, Marcus Gistols, and they're uh, ten and three with, with the goals and goals against in, in those, uh, and uh, even in XG difference, they're the third uh, third best team after Bayern and Leipzig in that span. And um, I will probably do some sort of a longer analysis on them uh, at, at this uh, during the season because he seems to be like uh, you know discarding some players like Luis Schaub who went to Hasfau. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's any room for Tony Modest or Simon Terode, and it's uh, the John Cordoba show. And the John Cordoba show is uh, very ironic against Wolfsburg because Wolfsburg's sporting director is Jörg Schmatke, who of course signed John Cordoba from from Mainz for that 17 million and f- was pretty much ridiculed because Cordoba, as you remember, was scoreless for like forever in the Bundesliga. Basically, then then they went down and then he came up and then. That's when he. Uh, that's when he uh, finally ended up uh, scoring uh, his his first Bundesliga goals and and now uh, first Bundesliga goals for Köln, I should say, because of Mainz, he did, uh, did have a couple, but, and now he's uh, he now seems to like can't stop sc- scoring because since sort of November he's got six goals, uh, and and all of those goals were uh, were were really important. Uh, goals that uh, basically gave them gave them the win i think i think um 
uh, other other I think other than the, the Frankfurt Frankfurt game, uh, he was basically like he's been he's been uh, the one who's uh, who's given them the points, and um, so that's one team to one team to watch in, in more detail. But uh, Wolfsburg, I, I wanted to briefly touch on because I, I did I did watch the first 10-15 minutes of this uh, of this game, uh, and uh, the the biggest issue for Wolfsburg who, who now play in this four three three, and it seemed like uh, Glasner has turned around their season um, after, you know, they were obviously second in the Bundesliga on great defense, uh, and then they got obliterated by Leipzig, and then that sent them into a spiral, and then towards the end of the Rukrunna, they, they changed this 4-3-3, and they seemed to get, get more of a grip and, and got some better better results uh, uh, against, you know, beating Gladbach, and then, you know, drawing, drawing to uh, Schalke, and uh, really playing Bayern fairly closely. And then you thought, okay, well, this could change, but um, really, uh, their their finishing is, is, is just a massive problem. And Weghorst, who um, is obviously their their best uh, goal scorer, um, you know, last season he had seventeen goals. He's he's got seven, so seemingly it doesn't seem like a problem. But he's been without a goal for four hundred and fifty three minutes, which which is a problem. And I mean, even in this game, like the first two minutes, he had. Two uh, really high quality uh, chances, where um, basically he was he was uh, on, on one of them. It was uh, after 15 seconds, Roussillon plays him uh, a ball uh, behind Bornau, and he's got a header from five yards, and it's right there, and he heads it over the bar. And then um, after uh, two minutes, he, he you know they, they get a transition opportunity, and he's he gets good separation. Uh, I think Schlager is the one who plays him well, and he's about nine yards out, one on one against Timo Horn, and uh, Horn uh, makes a save. But but that's another one where where you you know you you want him, you, you expect him to score, uh, and then um, one that I think doesn't even um, doesn't even register on the on the XG um, metrics is, is 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 in the seventh minute where Mbabu uh, beats a couple guys and has a has a cross in. Um, and and I think uh, it's it's basically a, a tap in for for Vekost, who again separates, but Bornau actually makes a really good clearance. So um, I think Vekost is at like zero point seven five xG for the match, but uh, uh, probably uh, I mean you you definitely expected him to score at least one, and then and I think it becomes a becomes a different game, and then we I mean uh, I will. Uh, Check back with you uh, just to see see how it uh, unfolded once I once I have completed the match. But but I just wanted to uh, touch on that uh, sort of briefly because um, I think that that could be that could be a thing that uh, keeps Wolfsburg from uh, from reaching their their potential. And finally, you know, speaking of not reaching your potential, uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Um, so we had a really weird Hinrunde um, because. You know, at the same time, like everybody's been killing them for not scoring uh, goals, and when you've got like all kinds of firepower, um, you had like they had twenty three goals, I think, <clears throat> and you know Kai Havertz is famously was like stuck on stuck on uh, two goals forever, and um, Kevin Forlan was the high scorer with five, and then uh, they they sort of broke out against uh, Paderborn, which which you tend to do because Paderborn are a really fun team to play against, but they're really also like fun to score against. And and in this game, like they 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 were Leverkusen were without Vendel, uh, Palacios who were suspended, um, and they were um, 
I think they were also missing Arangis to injury as well. So they played Singraven and left back, and uh, it's a 4-2-3-1 with Havertz as a 10, with Diaby and uh, Bellarabi and Folland up top. And they scored um, two goals very, very early, um, basically uh, just sort of a transition goal for Folland, who took uh, his first two chances and then would would basically like do the classic Kevin Folland things not to get his hat trick. But uh, yeah, like they they were they were up. Uh, up uh, very very quickly against uh, Paderborn, and which which is what you do. I mean, they were up like thirteen minutes. They were up two goals, and then um, three by uh, Julian Baumgartinger on the thirty fifth. And uh, basically, because like Paderborn play this four four two four two three one, where um, they were using Denis Sabeni, who's their uh, new old signing. Returning from Norwich, um, alongside Sven Michel, and then the usual sort of formation with the, they were without Collins, who is probably one of their best players at left back, and they had to play Laurent Jans, and, and that was not too great because he doesn't have much attacking output, and um, you know it's still I think the big problem for for Paderborn is what you do when once you're pressing, which which is what they're always going to do once once that gets uh, breached and. Um, I thought Vasiliadis and Jasula had some pretty good moments in the first five to uh, four minutes, uh, five to ten minutes maybe, um, tackling Diaby and, and uh, Jasula ended up seeing the bottom Havertz. But it was also like once they got once they got beaten by by like Demirbay who kind of grew into the game, who started uh, the very start for him. Um, and then, then they just they were they were mostly uh, overrun and Havertz had a frustrating game, but a really active game. It seemed to be like uh, I think Eliana was pointing this out on Twitter, that like he seemed to <clears throat> want to do a little bit too much and, and dribble into people, but his movement was was really good. He was popping up everywhere. Um, Diaby I thought was very strong again. He's he's very hard to hard to stop. One of the one of the best one of the premier ball progressors in the Bundesliga. And then Folland obviously finished those two and <laughs> couldn't get a hat trick uh, unfortunately. Um, and then um, you know second half, which is a classic Leverkusen game. Like you're up three three zero. This game's over. You could just shut it down. But but no, they they actually <laughs> actually made Paderborn uh, come back and uh, gave up a, a ton of chances uh, early early part of the second half. And then go to Srebeni, Um and then Kaletsky actually had to make. Uh, a couple of couple of big saves. Um, it's 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 just sort of like a, a a very frustrating thing for for Peter Bosch who extended his contract this week because you know for for the, the for the 20, 20 minutes until Havertz would get the fourth goal. Um, it was it was another one of those where, where, where like they, they could have actually come back and had Kronetsky not made like two two big saves uh, and then you then you were like okay it's three two and then you gotta then you gotta worry again and um, yeah, I think I think that's 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 probably where where they need to fix some of those things and and you you know you have a lot of these players who who perhaps look look better than than they actually. Um, are in this one, but uh, yeah. Overall, I think you have to be pleased with with Leverkusen if you're the if you with the result and, and then the position because because they do uh, come up now and kind of gain a little separation from the the Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim uh, 
group there uh, and, and with Augsburg losing as well. So they're very much in the uh, Europa League, Champions League hunt. And, and then if they wait for, like, for example, if Gladbach, uh, as I mentioned earlier, if they uh, get get into a tough tougher part of the schedule than Leverkusen, who, who have a, a fairly easy uh, uh, run for, for at least the next, uh, next game in, in Dusseldorf. And then, you know, we're not sure what they do against Hoffenheim, but uh, if you remember in the Hinman, they played that 0-0 where Leverkusen had <laughs> all kinds of uh, all kinds of uh, chances there and and uh, couldn't couldn't get a goal and um, see see what the home home match against Dortmund brings. I think that's gonna that's gonna really uh, determine lots of things and then uh, later on with Leipzig. So it, it could be like you know it's a classic Peter Bosch uh, season with Leverkusen that they're they're sort of fighting for the fourth place and and um, with with one or two bounces you can you can get it there but. Uh, we, we will see. And for Paderborn, unfortunately, I think um, this is probably, this is probably, I think for them, like the, the tough part is that the teams around them have now started to get some wins. Like uh, Köln, I, I mentioned earlier, Hertha seem to have straightened out. Mainz and Bayer Lorzer look a lot better. Union have been, have been good for a long time. And they've really like got a hope that it's Bremen and Dusseldorf who played each other. And Bremen ended up getting a, a win. Um, you, you really hope that one of those uh, teams continue to falter. But but that would have this would have been a, this would have been a match for for Paderborn to to get something <clears throat> out of uh, or maybe next week against uh, Freiburg. Although Freiburg away is a is a, is a tough place to to play. But uh, if they if they want to make something happen, it should be now. And, uh, well, if I want to make this happen, what I want to make happen is the end of this podcast because it's been almost 50 minutes and that would be more than enough. And uh, I will try to come back intermittently and hopefully not by myself. I do have a couple of guests uh, planned for for the rest of the season. So I hope that you stay tuned and keep uh, reading, listening, consuming the Bundesliga Bulletin. Uh, Thank you so much for subscribing and supporting uh, this project. And this is uh, Abu Mesarush uh, signing off.